Welcome and thanks for listening. This is your Nebraska Judicial Branch. Greetings and welcome back. Today we are joined by Juvenile Services Division Director Monica Miles Steffens. Thanks for coming in today, Monica. Thanks, Jean. I'm excited to be here. So one of the main reasons we asked you to come in, Monica, is in our last episode, we talked to Deputy Administrator Jeannie Bradner, who talked very briefly about JDI, or the Juvenile Detention Alternatives Initiative. And you, being an expert on JDI, we thought it very important that you came in and followed up on that conversation with Jeannie. So if you would, just start quickly by telling us exactly what JDI is. Well, Jean, I'm excited that you knew the acronym. So Juvenile Detention Alternative Initiative is one of the evidence-based models that we're using in juvenile probation statewide. And it was actually started by the Annie Casey Foundation. Jim Casey, the founder of UPS, formed that foundation as a business person, really wanting to know how he could help his employees employees he was struggling with were people that were formerly system involved. And so he thought, as a business person, I can do something to contribute to making better outcomes for for families because it helps us all. And so one of the first things that uh, the foundation did was launch the Juvenile Detention Alternative Initiative back in the mid-90s when juveniles were being tagged as super predators, and um, which we all know never really transpired. But it is eight core strategies that's used to really create a systems improvement process in communities, and we are doing it statewide in Nebraska. And it's really focused on collaboration and how we work together to promote systems change for young people. We focus on data-driven decisions, so we need data to be able to know really where to pinpoint uh, the solutions that we need to look for. And we look at objective admissions, and this is something in probation that is statute-driven for us. Um, Our intake officers statewide make decisions at the point of intake for young people as to whether they'll be detained or they need an alternative or whether they'll be released. And so if we do decide that they need an alternative, that's the next core strategy, is making sure that every community has a continuum of alternatives to detention. So that could be things like just letting them go home with a curfew, working with their parents to put some structure in place, all the way up to maybe um, a tracker or electronic monitor or even shelter care before they would go to detention because that would be the highest level of care. We look at special populations, so maybe things like warrants or kids with mental health issues, lots of reasons why kids shouldn't be in detention, how we can create alternatives for those. We also focus on reducing the overrepresentation of youth of color in the system. Um, that's a huge priority right now. And finally, uh, conditions of confinement. And so we don't do a lot of, to deal with that in Nebraska. We're very fortunate to have Nebraska Jail Standards, who has uh, the detention standards statewide. We have really well-run juvenile detention facilities. But if needed, they would have additional resources to help them continue to make sure that the kids that do have to be in detention are really well cared for. Monica, I need to probably take you through some of the more technical aspects of what you just said. For example, due to legislation like Juvenile Justice Delinquency and Prevention Act, the Prison Rape Elimination Act, there are certain requirements that go along with determining whether or not a youth is 
appropriate for detention. For example, they cannot be placed in adult facilities, and if there is a requirement or a need to put them in an adult facility, they must be kept sound and site separate from adult offenders. Can you just talk a little bit more about specifically, just by definition, what is detention? Yeah, great question, Jean. So to equivalent to something that adults would understand or what we kind of know as a juvenile detention center is the equivalent of an adult jail in terms of that point in the process. It's a very short-term place for a youth who poses a risk to community safety and a risk to potentially flee the jurisdiction of the court. And so they are very short-term. There's no treatment involved. and They're only there as long as it's necessary until the court can move them on in their process, move them towards the placement that they need or that they're able to return home with additional resources and services. And you said something about release. That isn't just rub them on the head and say, okay, little buddy, go home and don't ever do anything wrong again. That is part of an interview and a decision-making process an actuarial-based decision-making process that the probation officer goes through, correct? Correct. So state statute gives probation the authority to screen. We're the ones that make those screening decisions. And you're right, we use an objective screening tool so that we're just not making up on our mind, you know, if we're mad at the kid or frustrated with the kid, law enforcement's frustrated, this tool helps us really make those objective decisions. We do that at a point that the law enforcement officer brings a youth to us for screening, but then there are also other points in the process of the juvenile justice system. The judges also have the opportunity to decide when a youth can be released. They have to have a detention hearing within 24 hours. Judges are able to put in additional resources if they feel that youth can go home. When you were going through the detention alternatives, you discussed things like shelter care, release to family, other options. Right. Talk a little bit more about what's the difference between shelter care and detention. Great question. So we really want to try to use the least restrictive option possible because we know the research tells us that congregate care, juvenile detention, we use those types of resources for lower risk youth um, or youth that maybe aren't needing to have that level of care. We can actually do more harm. We want to do things like community-based, at home if possible, with additional supports, sometimes maybe an electronic monitor. We've recently launched emergency professional foster care, so it's a very short-term foster care placement for a youth who might need just some extra support, maybe a break from the situation that they're in in order to be able to get back on track where they're at in their progress. Those are things that we try to do in the community. Shelter care is a placement. It is a place, but it's not locked, where youth, it's congregate, what we call congregate care. So where youth live in a group, and it's very, again, short-term in order to be able to move on to what their next option is. So it is round-the-clock supervised facility. However, it is not. It's different than foster care. It is not detention. It's kind of in between between. those two. Yep. Okay. And you said... That's risk-based, or there's an interview process that goes through. I remember very clearly when I was a new probation officer back in the early 90s, I had a police officer call me one day when he was out on location at a, at a house and said, Dad wants this kid detained. I asked to, to speak with the father. When I got on the phone with the father, the father said, well, my parents back in the 70s called the police. They came down. They picked me up. They threw me in detention, and I went through this 
conversation with the father about that's not the way it works anymore. I asked to speak to the police officer, and the police officer was already gone because he knew that the days of the 70s where you could just pick somebody up and throw them in a detention center had sailed. That's exactly the way things remain today, correct? Correct. We know so much more now. The research tells us that youth who have spent time in detention have worse outcomes. They are more likely to be further involved in the juvenile justice system. They're more likely to have poor outcomes with education, more likely to use substances. So we take that decision really, really seriously when we're looking at those what we're trying to decide. And our risk tool for that point in the system, like I said earlier, is really focused on at this point in time, is this youth a risk to community safety, a risk to flee the jurisdiction? If that youth ends up on probation, then we use other types of risk-based assessment tools to figure out case management, case planning, and a course of action for that young person. Monica, what is the current status or state of JDI? There's a lot of great things happening. I could talk to you for a long time about what the great things are happening with JDI in Nebraska. We have four local sites who have formed their own collaboratives, have their own leadership work, and are really focusing in on some of those core strategies like I talked about earlier. So that's Douglas County, Lancaster County, Sarpy County, and Odo County. And I think it's important especially to highlight Odo County because Odo County doesn't have a detention center. And that's why even though it's called JDAI and a detention initiative, it's really become broader than that in systems improvement. So in Odo County, they haven't had a detention of a youth in over 18 months, which is a huge accomplishment. So they're really focusing on more front-end work and diversion and how they can keep kids from even entering the, the system in the first place. When you say front-end work, that's what you're talking about, right? Right. Is keeping the kid from even entering the system to begin with. Exactly. Yes, thank you. Douglas County is doing some great work with reducing their racial and ethnic disparities. They're doing a lot of trainings. They're available statewide through the end of the year, which is exciting to be able to share those resources. They've reduced their detention population from when they first started JDAI in 2011 their population in their detention center was over 200 in a 144-bed facility. And now they're averaging about 65 youth in that facility on any given day. So that's great progress there. Sarpy County, very similar, have done great work in their alternatives to detention continuum. And they've reduced their population in their uh, staff secure facility was a 35-bed facility. Now they're averaging, when I looked at their list this morning, they had four kids in their facility. So they've actually repurposed some of their space to be able to offer more educational alternatives and a day and evening reporting center, after-school programs for education for kids needing extra help with that. So they're really being creative in how they're repurposing some of that space. And Lancaster County is doing some great work, also having reduced their detention population numbers from when they first started. They're also focusing on a great uh, program that they've partnered with the schools and the county attorney called Project Restore, using some restorative practices to be able to reduce the number of youth of color getting cited in school for violations. And so those youth are not coming to the formal attention of the system and specifically not going to detention. Well, that's fantastic, Monica. So what's next? What, where do we go from here with JDI in Nebraska? Yeah, that's a great question. 
You know, the Casey Foundation, what they've always said is JDI is not a project. It's never done. It's a way we do business and it's a process and how we do things. Like I said earlier, we're really broadening the scope of system reform with these eight core strategies. And we even were at the national conference last year, and they kind of even rebranded the acronym. And we really like to have kind of latched onto that as well. So instead of JDAI as we knew it, they're really talking about JDAI as a just, developmentally appropriate, accountable, and inclusive juvenile justice system. And so those are where we're really headed We're excited to bring on hopefully a new site. Judge Corey in Hall County and Judge Wetzel are really interested in having JDAI launch out there. So we are starting to work with them to go through some readiness processes and system assessments to be able to start JDAI work out there. We also have a statewide collaborative that's chaired by our state court administrator, Corey Steele, and State Senator Tony Vargas. That's where we really look at the state policy efforts that we need to have happen. Things that local jurisdictions can't solve on their own and really need potentially legislation or other statewide uh, support to be able to make those changes. So I just heard you say other stakeholders and getting people involved. I'm going to give you two minutes, you and I are riding in an elevator and you have two minutes to sell me in a jurisdiction that doesn't already have JDI as to why we need JDI in our jurisdiction. Ready? Go. Okay. Well, what's most important, I think we can all latch onto, right, is we want our communities to be safe and we want our youth and families to have positive outcomes. In order to do that, we have to create a juvenile justice system that helps youth and families struggling get to that space where they can move forward. What we've learned is a lot of kids, I think we can all relate to the fact that maybe we didn't make such good choices growing up. We all probably had those situations and we grew out of that behavior. And JDAI really helps us figure out how do we use our resources for those kids who really need it? And how do we divert out those kids who just made that one-time mistake. What's really important for us is to be able to also as communities best use our resources and put our resources where they're going to be most effective. And JDAI really helps us do that through a very structured, assessment-based, data-driven process. That not only helps those resources, not only help the kid, but they help the family, they help the community as a whole. Exactly. I detect a passion for working with kids with you, Monica. Where does that come from? And if I'm sitting in a classroom someplace wondering about why should I want to go to work with kids, talk a little just briefly about where your passion for working with kids comes from and sell me as why I should get involved in this line of work. Sure. I stumbled into juvenile justice through an internship at a juvenile detention center, of all things. And back then could clearly see that there was a better way of doing things and a better way to treat kids and saw lots of kids be really successful in their diversion programs, in their probation, and seeing them go on to do great things and be the young people that they were destined to be. We even have kids who have been through probation and detention come back and work in the system, and they make some of the best messengers in terms of hope for kids and families. I just truly believe that this is where we make the best change. I think adults can change. We all can change our behavior. But in order to help us have long-term vision for our communities and hope for our kids, I think 
this is where we can truly help kids make the best change for their life. Jeannie Bradner said the same thing. Monica, you echoed exactly her message about if we can surround kids and families with the support they need before they get too deeply entrenched in the system, we're all going to be much better off. Monica Miles-Steffens, thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Jean. This has been another episode of Your Nebraska Judicial Branch. Please remember to subscribe, like, and review us on your favorite podcast platform.